0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Work Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, well, tonight we're talking about payback. Payback. We're talking about the devil has to pay you back for the things that have been stolen from your life. And, you know, I've been, all week long I've been like, man, what do I need to preach this Sunday? And I know this much that all of us at one point or another, have been robbed. Now, I'm not talking about a burglar came up or someone broke in to your home. Or I'm talking about someone or something has come and robbed you of things that rightfully belong to you in your life. Now, it could be material things, right? It could be, you know, uh, possessions and stuff like that. But I know a lot of people that they have let their joy and their peace be stolen from them. I'm talking about somebody, something came in and, and stole the peace and the joy of God right out of their lives. And the sick part is they didn't do anything about it. You know, Jesse was chasing that guy down in his truck, probably not the smartest move, but at the same time he was doing something about it. And I know a lot of people, they get robbed, you know, and and, and again, we're talking about of, of maybe spiritual things or whatever, but they just sit there and they throw a fit about it. They don't do anything. They make no attempt to get their stuff back. And I'm telling you this much that you have an enemy and he is real. Who's found that out by now that that there's there really genuinely is an enemy that comes against you in this life and you've got to realize who that is and you have got to do something about it. But the fact of the matter is this is that so many people are getting robbed by the devil by, by, by these things every single day and half the time they don't even realize they're being robbed. They're not paying, man, listen, I know people that are Christians, have been Christians for years, and they're out in left field. They are like ADD, like they're, they're not paying attention at all, and, and and they're so far out of it that stuff's being, little by little, the devil's coming and taking things away and, and stealing this little piece from them and all this stuff, and, and they're too busy not paying any attention to anything that they don't even realize they're being robbed. So this reminds me of a story, I wasn't going to tell us, but I'm going to go ahead and tell it now. So uh, a couple of years ago, I came home in the middle of the day. I had picked up Ellie from preschool, and she, she goes into the house. It was about noon, and there's a young man sitting in my front yard on a big rock that I have out there. And I'm like... Well, there's not usually people sitting in my front yard on a rock in the middle of the day, but me being the nice guy that I am, I go out and talk and offer him a drink of water and, you know, like, let's, you know, hey, let's get together sometime. How, you know, and, I mean, it's being totally nice. I'm like, so do you need anything? And he's like, no, I'm just waiting on some friends. I'm like, you sure? You good? I, I mean, I'll give you something. And he's like, no, I'm just waiting on some friends. I'm like, okay. So I go back inside. I'm like, huh, that was weird. Then a few minutes later, there's a banging on my door and it's my next door neighbor's Elderly mother that had just happened to drive past. She drove past the house. The man sitting on my front yard on the rock was waiting for his friends, but they weren't coming to pick him up. They were robbing my next door neighbor in broad daylight. And I was out here offering him things and, like, hey, you guys need some help, like all this stuff. And I didn't even realize it, man. I was so oblivious that my neighbor was being robbed. I almost helped the thieves. And so I called the cops and they they caught this. They at least caught the guy that was sitting on the rock by my house, but I don't know if they ever got the other guys. But, and I was able to identify him and all this stuff. But at the same time, there's a lot of us, man, we're just so oblivious to what's going on around us. We don't even realize it, but someone's in the back door robbing you right now, okay? And, and you're not even paying any attention at all. And before you know it, you're like, hey, I used to have joy. Now I'm depressed all the time. Man, I used to have like this peace in my life. Now I just can't seem to ever feel right. Man, I remember when I used to not ever get sick. Now I'm sick every time I turn around. Man, I remember when I used to just have all my needs met, and now I am broke all the time. What's going on? Well, while you were, you know, whatever you were doing, the devil's been in the back door stealing from you. He's been taking little bits at a time. And before you realize it, man, you are a mess, and you're broken, and and, and you've been robbed. And so... The good news, though, is this, is that the Bible does talk about payback. It talks about restoration. It talks about getting your stuff back. And we're going to discuss this for a few minutes tonight. But we've got three little things that I am going to kind of break down for us to be able to identify how we can get our things back. Who wants their stuff back? Man, if your truck got stolen, you want it back or you want the devil to take it. You want it back. You know, I'm you, if anybody takes my stuff, I want my stuff back. And on top of that, I want extra for taking it from me in the first place. But we're going to get there. okay? so number one tonight is this number one to get your stuff back to get payback. You got to identify the thief. You got to know who took it in the first place, because there's a lot of people that they don't even know if God's the thief or the devil is. Oh, maybe God took this to teach me a lot. If you think that God is the source of your trouble, if you think God is the one stealing from you, then you're you're, you're, you're way out there, man. You are so off base. You are so far off base right now that I don't know if we can get your stuff back. Listen, you've got to know that God is not the thief. He's not the one stealing from you. And if you think he's the source of your trouble, then why are you rebuking all this stuff and praying for... Listen... God is not the source of your trouble. He's the answer to get you out of your trouble. And so a lot of you here, you've got to know this verse. But for those that don't, John 10, 10, let's throw that up there. John 10, 10, you've got to be able to identify the thief. John 10, 10, I love this. It says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy the thief's purpose is to steal, kill. So if it comes down to stealing from you, would that be God doing that or would that be the thief, the devil? Well, according to the Bible, the thief, the devil, is the one that steals, kills, and destroys. If any of these three things are happening in your life, it's not God doing it, it's the thief, it's the devil. And in this same chapter, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. And here I've got people blaming me for being the thief. I am the good shepherd that he said, my purpose in the King James says is to give them life and life more abundantly. But right here it says to give them a rich and satisfying life. Who wants a rich and satisfying life? That's what I want right there. I want a rich and satisfying life. And you have to realize if you think God's the thief. You're not going to have a rich and satisfying life. You're going to be confused, and you're not going to know what's going on. And here's the thing. Sometimes the thief is very clever at disguising himself to kind of throw you off target. You, know, you, you start to think that people and and this and this and this and this is your problem. And you think, well, this person's stealing from me, and that's happening. And it's a disguise. I was kind of looking up... Uh, Uh, I I googled interesting or fascinating stories of burglaries, you know, just to see what would pull up. And and so I was reading about in 2008, I think it was in Georgia, this guy decided he was going to rob the Bank of America in his town. And so he put an ad on Craigslist for a construction job. And he said, if you want this job, show up at the corner of the Bank of America building at 10 o'clock on this date wearing construction uh, uniform. You need to have a hard hat, a vest and work boots and all this stuff. And so a whole bunch of guys all show up wearing the same thing. He goes into the bank wearing construction clothes just like all of these guys. And so he robs the bank, comes back out, and just slips through the crowd and walks off. And so everyone's like, well, what did the guy look like that robbed it? Well, there's 50 people standing there that look just like the guy that robbed it. They couldn't find him because everybody matched that description. This guy was brilliant in what he did. And I mean, that's a bad thing to do. But he got away with it. They never found him because he was disguised. And they're like, no, it was him that was the thief. No, he was the thief. That guy right there was the robber. And and that's what a lot of Christians are doing. No, it was him. No, he did it to me. It's his fault. It's his fault. It's his fault. And they're pointing everywhere. But you have got to identify who the thief is. If you don't know who the thief is, it's hard to stop from getting stolen from. It's going to keep happening again and again. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 11 through 12. Ephesians chapter 6. Dropping stuff in the pulpit. Ephesians chapter 6. So are we learning anything so far tonight? Is God the one that's been stealing from you? All right. Ephesians 6. And we're going to look here at verses 11 and 12. And this is talking about putting on the armor of God. Because you do have an enemy. No doubt about it. There is an enemy. And you've got to identify who that is. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, it says this. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So apparently this guy's got strategies He's got different angles. He's not going to come in the same way every single time. He's not necessarily going to look the exact same way every single time. There's strategies, like the King James Bible says, all the wiles of the wicked one. And that word wiles, we don't use that a lot in the English language anymore, but, but that means tricky. Remember, you ever watched Looney Tunes? There was Wiley Coyote. He was a wily guy, man. He was tricky. He always came up with all these different ways to try to catch the roadrunner. And I mean, you think after 50 years, he'd eventually catch him, but he never did. But he was a wily little guy. He was—he had all these tricks and strategies and plans. And it says right here that the devil's just like that, man. You've got to be prepared for all the wiles or all the strategies of the devil. And it says, verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. People ...are not your enemy. I'll just save half of your battle in life right there. Too many of you think that people are your enemy. And you're fighting people. You weren't called to go out and fight other people. It says you were to fight the good fight of faith. You were to fight against the strategies of the enemy, the devil... And it says right here, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. That's talking about people. We're not fighting people here. We're fighting evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And all those things that just listed that's talking about spiritual warfare, that's talking about demons and demonic forces and the devil. It says that's who your enemy is. But you're over here fighting against flesh and blood. You're over here fighting against people and arguing with your neighbor and getting mad at other Christians and, and, and trying to man, if I could just get him out of the way, everything would be fine. Man, my job would be great if it, this guy right here is my problem. And you spend all your energy fighting against People And the devil is in the background laughing as he's loading. He's back in the pickup truck to the back door carrying your TV out. And you're sitting there fighting here, arguing with the neighbor and you're getting straight up robbed, man, because you have not identified the thief. You think it's another person. And some people, again, they're blaming God, but you're blaming everybody except for the true source of what it is. But we are not fighting against flesh and blood, and and we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But listen, we're fighting against a real enemy principalities and powers and and, and wicked spirits in the heavenly places that says that's your enemy. You need to wake up and realize what's going on here. Number one, identify the thief. And number two, man, if I get robbed and I want payback, you got to go get your stuff back. You need to get your stuff back because I found out that most of the time thieves don't just... Feel bad and bring it back to you. And I've never had the devil just feel bad for me and bring my stuff back to me. That's not going to happen. But so many people, they sit there and think, man, oh, this is the dumps. This is the worst. This is the..." And you're sitting there, listen, feeling bad for yourself doesn't get your stuff back, does it? Feeling bad for yourself, complaining, whining, venting, blowing up, getting mad at people does not get your stuff back. You got to go get it you got to go get your stuff. I want to show you a story here, a, a really, really great Bible story about King David and a time that he got robbed. And he didn't sit there and take it. He wanted to go get his stuff back. So let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 30. Who wants their stuff back tonight? Now get my stuff. I want it back. You can't have it. So First Samuel chapter 30, and as we're going there, I've got another fun burglar story, all right? So this guy, uh, he robbed an elderly woman in Chicago of her purse, but she didn't let him have it. She chased the man over a mile through the city to get her purse back, and she chased him into an alleyway where he couldn't get away, and she sat there and preached the Bible to him. For for ten solid minutes and preached and preached to him. He felt so bad he gave the purse back and repented and, and went on with his life. And she didn't even turn him in. But I read that story in a newspaper. So anyway, uh, you you, you got to be like that old lady. She could have said, I, "I can't get it back." She she chased this dude a mile through Chicago on foot and got her stuff back. I wish we had that type of fight in us. I wish we had that tenacity. But First Samuel chapter thirty. Now, check this out. It says, three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and the Ziglag. They had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. They raided his village while him and the army was out, and they burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. We're talking about warriors here. We're talking about the army of Israel. Tough guys. They get back. Their kids are gone. Their wives are gone. Their houses are burned to the ground. There's nothing but a burning pile of rubble. And that was their home. They get back and these guys, they're weeping, man. They are tore up. Their kids, their wives, everything is gone. Verse 5, David's two wives, I don't recommend that one, but anyway. David's two wives, Ahanoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their lives and daughters. People that have been stolen from get very bitter and a lot of times they will turn their anger in the wrong direction. So these guys, they began to talk of stoning David. They they weren't interested in going and getting the thieves. They were just going to kill David. It's not his fault. He was out there leading them. He's the one that's led them through all this stuff. And so here he is in a bad spot. It says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. And I like the King James that says, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And so, here he is in an absolute mess. He's lost everything. He's lost his family. He's lost his house. He's lost his belongings. All of his community. They've all lost everything. And now his own men, they're blaming him. And they're talking about killing him. What's he going to do? So, he he starts to encourage himself. He starts to strengthen himself. And the Lord his God. And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and take this. I'm going to go find the people that stole my stuff, and I'm going to get it back. And so he gathers the men that are willing to go, and they, they set out, man. They're like, we're going to find these guys, and we're going to get all of our stuff back. And so they're out there, and, and, and they're, they're, they're trying to find the trail, and they find this Egyptian guy out in the middle of nowhere. Just like, there's no one else around, this that makes no sense. So, so they start talking to this guy. He had been one of the slaves of the Amalekites, but he got sick, so they just left him. They thought he was going to die, so they're like, I'll just leave him here to die. But he didn't die. And because of that, he's really mad at the Amalekites. And he's like, David, you want to know? What? I will lead you to where they went. I know where they are. And so this, uh, this Egyptian guy leads David and the soldiers to the Amalekites. So let's look here at verse 16. Check this out. First Samuel 30, verse 16. So he led David to them. And they found the Amalekites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines in the land of Judah. And so here that they're out there partying, man, they're getting drunk, they're dancing and all this stuff. And they're and I mean, they're just going wild. And some of you, that's what the devil's doing with your stuff, man. He's out there partying and and he's like, he's he's he doesn't think you're ever coming for him because most Christians just let their stuff go and, oh man, the devil stole from me again. This stinks. I hate this. And they're out there just feeling sorry for themselves. But listen, the enemy's out there. He's dancing with your stuff and, 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 and he, he thinks that he's got it and he's getting away. But I think that that would just make me even more mad. That would, you know, and you guys know how calm Pastor Davis. Pastor David's a calm guy, man. I don't get too mad most of the time. It takes a lot to get me going. But this would probably be the thing to get me going right here. If I see the guy that stole my stuff and they're out there dancing and partying and they've got my kids and all this stuff, that would probably send me through the roof. And that's exactly what happened here to King David. This just turned the rage on, man. This made him angry. And I love this man. And so David and his men rushed in among them and they slaughtered them. They slaughtered them throughout that night and the entire next day until evening. We're talking about 24 hours of slaughter. Whoa, turn that into a movie, man. That is 24 hours of annihilation. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled out on camels. And camels aren't the fastest things anyway, so they probably could have caught them anyway. But so these are you have four hundred young guys on camels like <laughs> trying to get out. David got back everything. He got back everything the Amalekites had taken, and he got both his wives back. Could be a blocking or a curse, we don't know. But he got both of them back. Nothing was missing, small or great son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. That's what I'm talking about right there. We need some Christians. We need some people in 2018 that they're they're going to go back. They're going to go after the enemy. They're going to get their stuff and they're not going to to be content to say, well, he stole $1,000 from me, but here's $50. I'll take that. No, David got everything penny, every ounce, every thing that they had stolen. He got it all back and, and he brought it back to his place, man. And that's the type of tenacity. That's the courage. That's the fight that we have got to have. We need Christians that have some fight in them. We need Christians that aren't willing to sit there and get beaten and get punked around and get bullied by the devil. But they're willing to put up a fight and say, no, I'm getting my stuff back, man. You are not going to steal from me. You're not going to steal from me. And I tell you this much, man. Can you imagine if all of the Christians, even in this room, would put up a fight and go back to the enemy's camp, as the song in this, this Bible story tells, and get back their stuff? Can you imagine if you got back all the stuff that you've let the devil steal from you? We could be talking about material things. We could be talking about uh, relationships. We could be talking about all sorts of things. If you were fully restored in every area that the devil has stolen from you. Can you imagine if we had a church full of people like that? Wow. Can you imagine the damage that you could do, man? And I'm telling you, we're going to get this. We're going to get some people tonight that are going to say, you know what? I want my stuff back, man. You cannot have that. That was a great relationship I had with this person, and the devil straight up stole it, and I let him do it. I'm going to go fix this thing right now. This was a great, uh, you know, area I had going over here, and the devil just stole it. I had this dream. I had this vision from God. The devil stole it, and I just let him have it. I never went to get it back. Go back and get it. Go now. Go back to the enemy's camp and get your stuff, and don't settle for half of it, don't settle for 75%. You take every stinking thing that he stole from you and bring it back. You got that? Bring it back, man. Don't let him have it, because your blessings in the hands of the enemy, that's a dangerous thing, man. You need the blessings in the hands of God's children. Don't let things be stolen from you. Amen. And I'm going to go on down to point number three, and that's this, man. I don't just want my stuff back. Number three, boom. I'm going to make him pay interest. You're paying interest. Are you still for me? You're paying interest, man. You owe me more than what you took from me just because you have made me. I had to go fight you. You are going to pay interest. And you're like, well, I don't know. I'd just be glad to get half of it back. No. No. Don't have that attitude, man. That's what a wimp says. A wimp is content with having half of it back. A wimp is content. I'm not even content with 90%. I'm not even content with getting back only what was stolen. I want it back plus interest for what you've stolen from me. And I've got scripture to back it up, baby. I'm, I'm not just making this stuff up. Let's look at Job chapter 42. Now, the book of Job is an interesting book in the Bible. Because most people I talk to, they have a really strange perspective of Job. They're like, yeah, well, that's the book where God takes everything from Job and, put, you know, God does all these things to him. If you read chapter 1, it says right there that the devil is the one that did all of those things. Read chapter 1. I'm not making this up. Read Job chapter 1. God is not the one that brought the hardships on Job. The devil's the one. And he, he, came, to, he came to God. The devil and his, this is, your, this is your son Job he's got everything so good. That's why he worships you. I'll bet if he didn't have a perfect life, he wouldn't worship you anymore. And the devil has this conversation with God. And God says, I'm not touching him. But And so he says, you know what? I'll step back for just a minute. And for just a season, God stepped back and the devil came in and wreaked havoc on his life. And for a while, Job had a very bad attitude. As you know, he turned on God, he turned on his friends and all this stuff. But, but Job, in the end, get to the good part of Job. Chapter 42, I have no idea why people don't focus On the good part, I'm going through the Job story, brother. I'm going. Everything's being taken away, taken double. Took the car, my wife, and my dog. It's all gone. I'm like Job. Why would you want to be like that, man? That's not the Job that I identify with. I'm a Job 42 type of guy. You can be the first 41 chapters, but I'll I dibs on 42. I got dibs on chapter 42. Because chapter 42 and verse 10 says this. When Job prayed for his friends, and listen, when Job ended up repenting, the Lord restored his fortunes, but in fact the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Job ended up getting twice as much as was stolen from him. That's a big deal right there. Because everyone focuses on everything that Job lost. But when Job got his attitude right, when Job repented, when Job ended up praying for his friends, the Lord restored twice as much as had been stolen. Who thinks they could use that, man? You've had some stuff stolen and are like, what, what if you got double back ...for what was stolen from you? What if you got double? What if interest was paid... ...on the things that have been stolen from you? And Again, I'm not even talking about money. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's a whole lot of other things. Whatever it is that's been stolen... ...what if the enemy had to pay you back... ...and it was double? I'm thinking, I could take double. I can deal with double. Double is a good... Double is a lot better than single. Listen, if I'm going to Burger King, I want the double whopper. I don't want the single... I'll take the single, but listen, the double whopper is even better. You get, you get twice the stuff, man. That's a no-brainer. And I'm talking about, if you're getting your stuff back from the thief, go for double. Go for double. Every, if anybody presents me with, here's a single, but here's the double, which one do you want? I want, don't even ask me that question. I want double every time, man. Double. And so, that's what happened in Job's story, But so many people focus on just the negative end. And so, whatever it is that the enemy has stolen, listen, he's got to pay it back. If you go after him, you, he's got to give it back. You'll chase him down. And listen, don't be content with just getting it back. Go for more. And I wanna, I'm going to look at a few Old Testament verses here. If you can't keep up with me, write them down. But you do need to write these down. These are good. Isaiah 49, verse 18. I love the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 49, verse 18. So maybe it's not uh, material things that has been stolen from you. Maybe the devil's stolen relationships. Maybe the pe- the devil has stolen people out of your lives. But listen, God can restore that too. God can restore that too. And how do you make the devil? How do you make the devil pay double for that, man? When this restoration occurs, I'm gonna have the strongest relationship. I'm gonna have the biggest reunion. I'm gonna have the best celebration, I'm going to have the best relationship and restoration with these people, with this family that I have ever had before in my life, you devil, you, you're not stealing this from me, and so Isaiah 49 verse 18, I've been sharing this verse with a lot of people lately, Isaiah 49 verse 18, it says, look around you and see, for all your children will come back to you, all your children will come back to you. As surely as I live, says the Lord, they will be like jewels or bridal ornaments for you to display. And I mean, Isaiah's got, if you just, I'm I'm not going to do it for you. You should do this on your own. But you should go through the book of Isaiah and look at all the promises it makes about your children being safe, your children serving God, your children being restored to your household there's a lot of promises in the book of Isaiah about this. And I do have probably all of them highlighted, but I'm not going to cheat for you. You need to look them up on your own. But I'm I'm a nice guy, so if you come and ask me, I'll probably show them to you. But Isaiah 61, verse 7. Isaiah 61, verse 7. It's time for some doubles. Do you want to hit a single or you want a double? Yes, all right. (laughs) That's the correct answer. One person in this whole room got the correct answer to that. Do you want a single or do you want a double? If you're at bat, what do you want? All right. I'm not convinced that you mean that, and I'm pretty sure the devil's not convinced either, but whatever. All right, Isaiah 61, verse 7. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. Who wants a double share of honor? Give me the double. Somebody's saying, Give me the double. And so it says instead of shame and dishonor, you're going to enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Double portion of prosperity, man. This is payback. This is getting back what the devil's stolen from you. And it says, instead of being ashamed, instead of being embarrassed and dishonored and discouraged, you're going to get a double portion of prosperity in the land that God gave to you. And I mean, I'm thinking, man, a portion of prosperity sounds pretty dandy right there. But God says, no, you're going to get a double portion of prosperity in your land. That's good news. Because a lot of people, they'll read this verse and say, yeah, I believe I'll get a double portion in the great beyond. When I get up, you know, my home in the air, when I'm dancing on the way on in the blue. Listen, yeah, we all know that. But it says you can get it in your land. I would like I want it in heaven, but I want blessings in this earth, too. I want the double portion now in Barstow. I'll take it right here. And of course, heaven's I mean, nothing compares to that. We all know that much, but you don't have to be miserable on earth until you get to heaven. And a whole lot of people, I'll get that healing someday, someday, but not right now. I'll get that. I'll get that blessing someday when I'm up there. Why wait, man? If you could have it right now, why wait? Wait, and it says you could have that double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. That is some good news right there. Who's ready to go to the book of Zechariah? Yeah, Zechariah, everybody's favorite book. Everybody is just obsessed with Zechariah. So let's flip over there. So over there, what is that? Page eight ninety four. All right. Zechariah chapter 9 I'm telling you man you need to go for the double and, and I mean hopefully we've convinced you to at least identify who the thief is if nothing else identify the thief but I'm telling you you need to go back over there get your stuff and then make him pay interest so Zechariah chapter 9 verse 12 it says come back to the place of safety all you prisoners who still have hope you guys still have hope Man, I'm not a prisoner anymore. I've I've got hope. And look at this. Uh, This is what I'm getting at. This last part of this verse it says, I promise this very day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. Two for one. A two for one deal is a good deal right there. He says, I promise you I'm going to repay you two blessings for each one of your troubles. That's good news. This is awesome. This should excite you. It says right here, man, the Lord's going to make sure you get repaid double two times. The devil stole one. He's got to pay two back. This is how it should be. And so don't look at me weird when I say I'm going to go get my stuff. I'm going to I'm going to kick the enemy's butt and then he's going to pay me interest for ever even messing with me. I'm not content with just getting my stuff back and calling it a day. He will pay me interest on top of what he's taken. So double sounds good. Hold on to your seats, folks. Some of you aren't going to be able to believe this one. Hold on, I'm being serious. grab your seat. Anyway, so double's good, but what if I told you you could have seven times back what the enemy has stolen? Yeah, can you imagine a seven layer whopper? No, 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 that's sickening. don't do that. That's gross. but uh, Proverbs 6, verse 31. Shaheem could put that down, but I'm saying the average man could not do that. Uh, Proverbs 6, verse 31. Now, I want my stuff back, and I'm cool with double, but I would love to have a sevenfold return on everything the enemy has stolen from me. And so, Proverbs 6, verse 31, this is talking about if you catch a thief, and I'm talking about right now catching the thief. So, you catch a thief, well, what do you got to do? Proverbs 6, verse 31 in the New King James says, Yeah, when he's found, he must restore sevenfold. Say sevenfold. Sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. I don't care if he's got to give up everything he owns, but he's got to pay back sevenfold when he catches that thief. And so we know who the thief is, right? It's got to be your co-workers. Am I right? Am I right? No. Is it your wife? No, is it your kids? Cause they can No, All right. Who is the thief? It's the devil. And so when you go after him, man, and you finally realize, listen, I know who the thief is now. You're going to catch up to him and you're going to get your stuff back. But on top of that, I'm going for the sevenfold payback, man. You stole a dollar from me. Give me seven now. You stole $10, give me $70 right now. You stole, you stole a house, give me seven houses, I want them now. You stole a car, you stole my joy, seven times the joy. I'm going to be the happiest, looniest person you've ever seen in your life, right? Because I am getting my stuff back, and I refuse to be stolen from anymore. So how do you get to the enemy? How do you, I mean this all sounds great, but unless you know what to do, it's unrealistic, right? You've got to know how to fight the enemy. And I'm telling you this right now. If you read your Bible once a week, don't even bother with anything that I've just talked about. Because you are not prepared for combat. You're not combat ready. You're going to get your butt kicked, all right? If you, I mean, if the only time that you ever even pray is when you absolutely need something, or maybe you occasionally pray over your food when there's other Christians around, don't don't get yourself into that. This is, this is beyond you. I'm talking about if you're gonna get a sevenfold return, if you're even gonna chase the enemy down and fight him, you have got to be a person that knows how to fight. You know what I mean? We, we'd be a fool to throw some kid into the cage with some UFC fighters. They're unprepared, man. They're gonna get they're gonna get massacred. But listen to me. How do you fight the enemy? With the word of God. Ephesians 6 tells us that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Get into the Bible now. Do it right now. Go home tonight. If you're, if you're one that's been stolen from, if you're one of the few that's just never had any problems, then by all means, stay the course, brother. Stay the course. But if you're somebody in here that you have been stolen from, I'm telling you what. I would go home tonight, I would get my Bible open, and I would look up these scriptures that I just told you tonight. I'd, I'd go to Zechariah. I'd go to Isaiah. I'd go to Proverbs, and I'd say, double, 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 sevenfold, sevenfold. I would start getting some verses in my weapon, and I would go after the enemy with these men. I'd wake up tomorrow morning, I would read these verses out loud... At lunchtime tomorrow, I would read these verses out loud. At dinner time tomorrow, I would read these verses out loud. And when you're doing this, man, you are hot on the trail of the enemy. And you're going to catch up to him, man. And you're going to get your stuff back. And he's going to pay you interest back. And you're going to be rejoicing. And you're going to be testifying. And you're going to be an example of what it is when somebody gets a hold of the word. And they get their payback. So stay with me. I want my payback. I want double and I want sevenfold and I'm going after it now. Amen. Let's stand up together. That's all we got tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.